0: On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Andrew Rangel, co-founder of Sheet Music Boss. We discuss how Andrew grew his YouTube channel from zero to 250 million video views in under two years, tips on how to start and grow a YouTube channel, and how going all in on Andrew's passion for music has been the fire that allows Andrew to release a new video every day. My name is Aidan Voppler, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life. To help you simplify and strategically grow scaling up the impact you're having in this world listen as i talk to creators innovators and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business uncovering their insights strategies and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture welcome to the stories behind the grind podcast andrew thanks so much for coming on the stories behind the grind podcast it's great to have you on my pleasure andrew you're a composer and arranger from brisbane australia you started learning piano at the young age of five and soon after right. started to adapt music of your favorite TV show themes. I remember we used to go to school together and um, I remember just being in awe of your just sheer talent. Uh, <laughs> and um, We went to preschool together, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, Malula, yeah.
1: Sunshine Coast. Yeah.
0: Look, tell me, what was, what was growing up like for you with this, I guess, raw talent that you sort of discovered at the age
1: of five? Maybe I shouldn't have been told I was talented. I think that can be a bit of a crutch for some kids that they're like, oh, you're being told that they're special in some way. I think it's better to be told that good on you for working hard at this. But I did have a piano teacher who who told me that she saw some ability in me that was not what every other kid had. So I guess it was just I had some aptitude for piano, but I also did do my practice and mum got me to <laughs> mum got me to practice so that that we were getting something out of piano lessons but yeah i did really enjoy trying to play the tv shows themes and things that i heard like batman or, or digimon i used to go to my piano teacher and go oh do you know the digimon theme and here's this like 60 year old man going no i don't know the digimon theme <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'd try to play these things, and I can still remember the the way I played some of them, and I had it all wrong, but it was I think just trying to do that to start with was a good start, yeah, so growing up with um with doing piano, yeah, I did um a couple of performances at school and that that was um getting started, and um I think I did one, yeah, one of them I started playing at Malula school that we- both went to. And I started my performance and I played a wrong note and I just completely stopped. And I was going, Oh, what do I do now? And I think I said something like, Oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake and I'll, I'll start again. And I think everyone laughed. It was, Oh, not like, um, I don't know. I don't think it was like laughing at me so much, but it was just funny. But yeah. And then I started again. I don't know if we've still got the videos of that at home. They might have been lost to the sands of time. Yeah, but like as a child, I'd perform at school, and um, when I was at grammar school, after year five, I did uh, a couple of piano performances and some other ones. And you know, after I would do that, then I'd, I'd have like a couple of days of the kids going, "Oh, you're really good at piano," so so that was fine. It didn't it didn't last for that long. Like I wasn't a cool kid, to be honest. But yeah, I did I did so much music, especially when I went to my final school, Matthew Flinders, where I was in. I think I was doing like four rehearsals a week or five, some in the morning and some in the afternoon. And it was just very full on. But yeah, I did focus on music a lot. And then after school, doing university for composition. Yeah, it was good. I focused a lot on it. And I'm glad that I've got an application for this skill now with Sheet Music Boss that I can make my way with. Because I did try accounting after I finished a music degree. And it was, um, it wasn't really for me, even though I spent a few years doing that and working in it. So it's great to be able to do this. Hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, no, no. Thanks for delving in into it a bit more. I guess it can always be hard to have a talent as a kid growing up, you know, expectation can sometimes be placed on you, but you seem to manage to have sort of taken that on and then applied it into as many different endeavors as you could. You know, like you said, when you went to Matthew Flinders, having, you know, four or five rehearsals a week. And even when when we went to school together at Sunshine Coast Grammar, the same sort of thing. You, you seem to always be involved in, in the music scene, so I guess there was a there was an outlet for that that talent to develop itself. Even now, more so with Sheet Music Boss, you've got I guess more freedom to to do what you want with it. I guess.
1: Yeah, we do have a lot of freedom, but it's also really scary because we can have terrible things happen, like YouTube demonetizes our channel, and no actual person had anything to do with that. So there's there's downsides as well, but I think the upsides are. Are way more. I mean, the positives outweigh the negatives. And I certainly feel having gone through the experience of doing working at a theme park and working in accounting, I certainly value what I'm doing now a lot. I think it would be, I don't know if I would see it any differently. I might if I had never done any of those jobs that I didn't really want to do. But I certainly know now that it was, you know, this is what I do want to be doing. And I think maybe. Some of the conversations I've had with my mum, for example, have been like, I went, I don't know if I should have done accounting at all. But then we'd say to each other, if I hadn't done accounting, then maybe I would have thought I could have had something stable and then be wondering if I was doing the right thing pretty much. But now having gone through that stuff and realizing I don't, it's not for me. Now I know that this is what I want to do. So I guess it's a learning experience all around.
0: Yeah, and I love how you've got that, that perspective of you know using using your past experiences to to sort of guide you to where you are now. For those that don't know what Sheet Music
1: Boss is, could you explain a bit more about it? Sure. So Sheet Music Boss is um, a collaboration between myself and my friend Samuel. We met at uni doing composition together in 2010, but we didn't start our channel together until February 2017 because I was um I was trying to get some sheet music published through a publisher that was offering pre-licensed arrangements online. So I started making sheet music for that. I was showing him because we hang out every so often. And we started trying to put together as much sheet music as possible to sell and create a big library of sheet music. And at the same time, we discovered a channel on YouTube called uh, Peter Pluto X that was uploading piano tutorials, but we use that in a very loose sense because there's not really any instruction about it. It's just a visualization of notes falling towards the piano in the right order. And he was doing a lot of pop songs on piano. So we decided to do something very similar to that. We uploaded our pop songs like Michael Jackson and Queen and ABBA, um, these kinds of things, piano versions of those songs onto our channel and then we linked the sheet music in the description so people could go and buy it from Sheet Music Plus at the time. And after almost a year, we got an offer from a company called Music Notes to start publishing on their platform, which is a much bigger audience. I think they've showed us the numbers saying they had the most traffic for sheet music sales on the internet. So we mainly work with them now for their sheet music. And we upload every day because... Uh, We thought, you know, PewDiePie uploads every day. So so we should do that too. And at the time, I had no idea how much work that was going to be. But it is a huge amount of work. It's a full-time job for me now. We started out from scratch. And now we are up to 884,830 subscribers. So we upload every day. We got onto our own little niche pretty much by listening to people's comments on our videos and they started asking for can you do this song or this song we started doing some russian folk music and then that kind of turned into this big russian theme and making lots of jokes about make it russian and everyone comments on that onto videos now
0: <laughs> yeah i was i was browsing through the uh the comments on a few of videos last night and um oh yeah fair enough it's 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 amazing to see people yeah comment you know make this russian Or, you know, can you do a Russian version of this song?
1: Yeah. (laughs) We don't want to do it every single time because it would just, I mean, it already is a bit like we've done a lot of that already. So we don't want to overdo it. But every so often we'll make something like we did Angry Russian Birds like four days ago. (laughs) Just making fun, yeah.
0: But It it seems to be a hit with your audience. Some of your most popular videos are the ones that have a Russian influence to them, you know.
1: I think there's one that's got 6.5 million views. Yeah, we do have a lot of the, that have got that Russian thing that's been pretty popular. I think the, um, let's see, the first, I'm just looking at the um, the most popular videos. I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six. I think the first six most popular videos are all, have come out of this Russian thing. I never would have expected that to happen, but we just followed where our audience was going. And that's, I think that's the thing a lot of people miss when they've got a product or a service out there
0: to, to really listen to what the, to what the customer wants. And then to deliver that based on the customer, you've you've done it quite well in terms of you know looking at the YouTube comments and going okay, well people are asking for you know this, this Russian theme, and then putting that into the videos
1: that you're putting out on a daily basis. So it's um yeah, it's been pretty fun. It's got a bit harder as we go on, and and the channel's got a bit bigger. Uh, we can't find those music requests so much. They used to get voted up to the top when we were a bit smaller, but now there's some people who have a a YouTube channel that they it exists solely for commenting. And so they will make a joke in the comments and everyone will write that up to the top. And then all the other comments at the top are jokes as well. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit of a, um, it's like, who can make the funniest comments? And that's that seems <laughs> to be the name of uh, most of the comments at the moment. So it's harder to find those people who are asking, can you do this? And then of course they still ask, they still put their requests in, but they don't really get voted up to the top. So it's hard to see what's the most popular ones. Yeah, you it's almost like sounds like you almost need a email
0: an email address just for requests and then people can email
1: you suggestions. Oh, we are we already get a fair few of those, but we can't really respond to them all. Mm, yeah. I imagine yeah. you'd get quite a few that come through. Yeah, when people find the email address. <laughs> 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 Trying to not make the email address no. too visible because then we'd have mainly requests in the emails where we prefer to look at them in comments or yeah other places. Yeah, to split yeah. it out a bit.
0: I'd love to hear so you've you've grown from, you know, over just probably over two years from zero to two hundred and fifty, you know, million YouTube views. And you mentioned before, you know, over eight hundred and eighty-four thousand subscribers. How did you um, you know, going from no one knowing about you to, you know, almost a million people, how did you manage that process? How did you grow your YouTube channel?
1: Like, I'd love to say that we did um, some special marketing or we had some special strategy. But it was all because of YouTube's algorithm. It's just uh, it'll serve videos that are similar to what people are watching that it thinks they might watch. And uh, once they've done that, then they'll serve more of that content to people. So we had literally no marketing at all <laughs> to start with. We just uploaded videos. We made the content. We uploaded it. and. For the first three months. I think it was three months it took us to get to 100 subscribers. And that's usually the most difficult part. So we, <laughs> we just threw out our content. We uploaded, for example, I'll pull up the, the first videos that we did. So the oldest ones we did, we started with things like Queen and Michael Jackson. So people will search for those. Like people will put in like a Queen piano tutorial or Michael Jackson tutorial. We had some Ed in there. We had some really popular songs like Take On Me. I would posit that people were searching for them and found those and started watching them. Uh, and that's how the channel might have got started. So that was how we began. But we've, we have never really done any um, paid Facebook marketing or, or Twitter or so on. We only recently actually started using Twitter after this demonetization thing happened. Mm. Um, I've never really really understood how to use Twitter anyway. <laughs> I mean, I know how to put posts up, but the way to post is pretty different. I saw it more as a, a platform for, for linking people to our videos. But now I understand that it's it's not really for that. It's about like, it it doesn't really work. People aren't going to really go and watch YouTube videos from Twitter, especially with auto-posting yeah, I'm getting a kind of a bit of a tangent there. We didn't really do any uh, special stuff to promote the videos. We just uploaded every day new stuff all the time and it just gradually grew and we got, you know, these people commenting and asking for stuff. So we'd follow what they were asking for and do that and it was um it was pretty organic growth like that.
0: I think that that makes the journey even more um more sort of outstanding, you know, the fact that you haven't used any paid paid media to to achieve the growth you have. But I, I guess yeah. you know, the themes I'm getting out of it is you were consistent. You were posting every day, and yeah, you were, we still you do. Know, you were um, posting sort of relevant content to what people could be searching for. So you weren't posting any obscure songs to begin with. You you know you, you were posting quite popular songs that
1: people were looking for more likely. Yeah, it's funny how some things seem like they would be really popular, like. I never listened to, for example, One Direction, which were very, very big a few years ago. And so we're like, oh, they're, they're super big. They're super popular, right? So we upload something and to this day, I don't know if it even broke a thousand views. No one really was interested in that, huh. <laughs> which is really interesting. Like, does that then suggest that um, this music doesn't have as much inherent interest in it as some other things? And it was mainly perhaps driven by... Just marketing for people to actually listen to it, I don't know, maybe, yeah,
0: or you know maybe maybe people searching for piano tutorials for for one direction isn't a popular search term, maybe not, yeah, are there any videos where you put out and you thought,
1: oh I'm not sure if this is going to do well and it's for some reason done ridiculously well, yeah, absolutely. the one that's taken me most by surprise was a song from a a movie uh, I think the movie trolls we put in. Can't Stop the Feeling from Trolls by a Justin Timberlake song. And it was just another, it was an easy piano tutorial. So it wasn't even, we we didn't make anything special of it. It's not particularly complex. It's just chords in the left hand held for a long time. And then the melody in the right hand, I thought nothing of it. It was just another of these things. But for some reason that, that has 3.2 million views now. And I was like, why? What's special about this song? <laughs> it was just like, this seems like another generic song to me. And yet here it is. It shot right up. And <laughs> I never expected that. <laughs> Some things just don't make sense to me, but I, I'm not complaining.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I think sometimes you think you know what your market wants and then sometimes you're sort of blindsided by either things that you think will do really well and they don't. Or the opposite where things you think won't do very well and they do. And I Absolutely. guess it comes back down to even if you think you've, you know, got nothing to share, nothing to share of value, you know, sometimes what you share, everyone
1: may want to hear more about. Yeah, it sometimes takes you by surprise and it can be frustrating because you might have spent, you know, 20 hours working on one project and poured everything into it, and then no one seems to care. And then something you just did offhandedly in one hour gains a huge amount of traction. So then you're thinking, why bother spending the effort? <laughs> it can be like that.
0: Yeah, I can can definitely relate to putting in hours in, into a project and nothing sort of happening.
1: Mm, you have to put in the effort. You have to make the product for people to have something to look at. So no point in just giving up because you didn't get as many views on something you worked hard on. Yeah, so no, that's...
0: not at all. And I mean, like you said, it took three months for you to, to get to 100 subscribers you know
1: mm. given up after you know a couple of weeks putting out can, i mean i think we've got particularly lucky in fact we thought when we started if we had a thousand five hundred subscribers at the end of the year then we'd be doing well but we had almost a hundred thousand at the end of the first year which is i think we that's better than markiplier did another popular gaming youtuber so yeah, it's pretty amazing. The um the numbers have slowed down a bit. It's not increasing at quite the same rate. So that can be like, it can be a bit concerning. But I think we're still doing our best to try and make content that people want to watch and enjoy. Yeah. And I
0: mean, you've you've recently branched into merchandise now as well. You've got a few t-shirts available. Oh,
1: yeah, we started doing t-shirts. Uh, recently, we made I thought it would be cool to do smash hits from the 1600s and have, you know, the thumbnail would have, you know, this person with a wig, but also sli- uh, slat glasses. What are they called? <laughs> you know, whatever Kanye wears and a bit of bling. And I thought that'd be funny. I think that was, you know, that was a different idea. I thought, yeah, we'd do super famous classical piano pieces and have Beethoven and Mozart with these green, bright green glasses with these slats in them. And so we got contacted by Teespring, who've got integration with YouTube. So when people watch our video, we don't have to have the thing in the description saying you can get the t-shirts here. It just shows up as a like a box beneath the description or maybe even on top of it. And people can buy these new t-shirts there. So we thought it'd be fun to just have um, silly t-shirts there that say super famous with these um, composers with a bit of bling. It'd be funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for those listening, um, and if you want to check it out, just search for Sheet Music Boss into YouTube and um, click on a video, and you'll you'll see these uh, see the T-shirt designs come up. They're really quite unusual. Haven't really seen anything else like it. So yeah, it's definitely um, definitely out there.
1: Yeah, we want to get some more shirts out there. We were thinking at first, do we brand these T-shirts, put branding on them? But then it's like, uh, who really wants to have that branding on it? Just want to have a, a funny T-shirt, and people can can talk to you about it. I guess. Yeah, it's a conversation starter. It's, yeah, or um, it's just something funny to have. <laughs> There's been so many shirts advertised like on Facebook. I'm like, I want that. And it doesn't have a particular brand or anything on it. It's just um, something that I, I think would be fun.
0: Yeah. How have you found the whole merchandising process? I think we were talking last year about the idea. Has it been, Has it been a long process
1: to get it all sort of rolling or did it happen quite quickly? We've neglected merchandise for the longest time, to be honest, and we're only just starting out. So I, <laughs> I can't say we've got much experience. But what we what we wanted to do is outsource as much of that as possible. So Teespring had designers on their team that we just gave them an idea, like our video thumbnails with you know Mozart with the glasses, uh, the green ones. Uh, we just sent that on, then they gave us, "Would you like this illustration that we've made?" And it was like, "Great, Yep, yeah, sure." They said, here's how you upload it and get it sorted. Um, And so we uploaded that there on their website and then integrated it with YouTube. So it's mainly hands-off for us. I think other YouTubers have gone way more hands-on with merchandise, setting up their own warehouses and their own printing and um, very much a manual process. But uh, since so much of our time is taken up with creating content and just managing the channel, then we don't want to do... You know, we don't want to have too much on our plates. Otherwise, we just won't get to things like putting um, albums out there is something that we really need to get our game on for that. But most of the time, I find that my day is taken up just making the next video. Yeah,
0: it can be a, quite a... Um, well, sorry, one, one, it's important to have direction and focus and then focus on what you're good at as opposed to spending too much time doing, working on ideas that are sort of outside your um, strengths, so it's important yeah. to yeah, definitely focus on on those YouTube videos. It's quite a manual process, I think, to create those videos, from my understanding.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of work involved. And because there's so much volume, we need to figure out the most efficient way of doing everything. So any little time savers really help. And um to begin with, we were both able pretty much to make the entire process the, the entire video process could be done by either of us. But I think now We've settled into our own kind of roles, Um, even though there's just two of us. I can't really do everything that Sam does. Well, I I might be able to, but not as well and nowhere near as quickly as him. And it wouldn't be anywhere near as fast for Sam to create the, the musical content. Like he can do that. He's got the ability, but... His you know, last meeting that we went to, we meet every week. But he told me, "Yeah, I couldn't do these arrangements as quickly as you can." So, yeah, it's good. We've we're trying to play to each other's strengths, and my weaknesses are where he's uh, developed a lot of skill. For example, with Photoshop, uh, another thing that I can do, but he he can do it much better than me now. <laughs> so we've worked on our our different strengths, and um, it works pretty well the way we've separated our duties out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to have those separation of duties so you can focus on what you're better at um, and, and the same, likewise for Sam, and then come mm. together and, and put it together. It yeah. Be, it's great that you've been able to sort of recognize it and, and now work towards having those separation of duties so that you can get you know videos out faster and, and work on yeah. other projects in that, you know, that spare time that you have. And it being a full-time job can be you know quite time-consuming
1: yeah, it leaves me a lot of the time going. I have to make video content. Have to make video content. Have to make video content, and then other things are happening in my life too. And then I might miss one day of uh, actually making videos, and I'm I'm trying to play catch up the rest of the time. And then I'm thinking, you know, I'd really like a day off now, but I'm kind of three days behind, just the way things have worked out. So, so that day off kind of doesn't happen for a long time. It might be like a month or, or two where I. I just trying to keep up with the video content. And now we're doing content that takes a bit longer to make. We're not just doing the odd pop song anymore. We're making more creative stuff. And that takes more creative thinking and more time to make it. So um yeah, it can be hard to get a balance respect. But I would um I'd much rather be doing this than like some of the desk jobs I've done before or theme park or in hospitality where my mum and dad had their own uh business and hospitality kind of area and tourism and I, I worked a bit in that so I know what is not for me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And having that, that
0: realization of um, you know, what what gets you you know, energized and passionate. For those looking in from the outside, you know, you, you basically have a full time job running a YouTube channel. That's yeah. not that's, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't even a, a possibility. Do you get a lot no. of do you get a lot of I guess from family members and close friends, you know, when are you when are you going to get a real job? And how do you manage that conversation? <laughs> so sort of
1: funny. I've got a I've got a funny story about that. So Sam and I um we're both whiskey fans and uh, we like craft beers as well. So a few months ago we went to an event. I think it was maybe it was Newstead Brewing Co or something in in Brisbane and we we're just making casual conversation with some of the other people there and there was a husband and wife, a bit older than us, uh, a fair bit older than us. And we were just talking about how we do this YouTube channel and explaining what we do and and how we do it. And then the the lady went, so what are you going to do when you grow up? <laughs> we're sitting there as like 25, 26 year olds. And we laughed. It was like, how do we respond to that? <laughs> it's just so, like, like, it's really apparent to me you know talking to someone from a an older generation that how little understanding they have of of this um, kind of internet commerce and how it's so it's way more viable than they think or they don't realize that it was viable at all so they just assume that this is just a, a hobby for example and um yeah it's just it's just so funny being immersed in this all day and then talking to someone from the outside who doesn't know who doesn't understand going so what are you going to do when you're getting it get a real job you know
0: yeah it's almost like breaking
1: the matrix in a sense you know yeah it's we did have a couple of comments when we got our channel demonetized which was just by an algorithm and it was very scary we got some people on a few comment threads going, oh, they should just get a real job. And it's like, come on, this is a real job. We're making, apart from ad revenue, which was the big thing for us, we make sheet music. It's a product for people to buy. So it's it's not like it's not real.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you're providing entertainment as well. So it's no different to being a comedian in a sense in terms of um, it's just a different form. So yeah. For those who want to start a YouTube channel and are sort of on on the on the fence going, look, I'm not sure if it's
1: for me, don't know where to start, what recommendations would you have? I'd say decide on doing content that you like doing, something that you enjoy. It depends if you're serious about making a big thing of it to start with or not. I'd say choose a kind of content that you really love, that you have that you have some passion for next. I think you have to start out and um, not expect it to get to a certain level in a certain amount of time. I certainly didn't with Sam. My own personal channel, I struggled for years thinking, well, oh, I, I put so much effort into this, but no one's really watching it, <laughs> which makes success all the more sweet, all the, all the sweeter, really. But for people who are trying to start out their channel, yeah, something that you're interested in, definitely have a regular upload schedule so that will depend on how quickly you can make the content we went daily but that's because the format allows for it if i was filming myself playing piano videos i couldn't do it any more than weekly but some other content if it's like animation or some people make domino videos i used to watch those all the time (laughs) but they would take a long time to make that content so yeah they'd have to upload a bit more sporadically Maybe sporadic isn't the word, but like um, not as frequently, every month or so. So yeah, that consistency of uploads is really important. The next thing is making sure you cater to a specific audience. And it's something that Sam and I didn't really do that well, that we've started doing a bit more now, because we're uploading too much variety of content. Like we'd upload, for example, songs in vastly different genres. So someone who likes something from genre A isn't going to necessarily be interested in something from genre B but we were uploading everything so um more recently we've tried to make more broad appeal videos um entertainment style that has a you know the same audience can return to it more frequently so yeah, those are the kinds of things. So something you're passionate about, regular uploads and catering to a specific audience, are really the key things. And that took me a long time to actually understand those things.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of the same the, the same principles you hear all the time. I guess it always helps to hear it again. And, you know, hearing hearing your experience, how you've sort of been able to niche down a bit and finding the content that, you know, best serves your audience that you want to serve.
1: Yeah, and it's difficult because um, that audience can sometimes get sick of the same thing all the time. That's a real it's a real risk. It happens to a lot of YouTubers, and particularly if they have a good bit of success, and then it starts to die down, and then they start to panic a bit because they're not as successful anymore. It's just like, people have seen it before. I mean, your thing was really cool and really novel and amazing to start with, but then you know you put out more of that and people still love it, but then the more you do it, then it's like, well we've already seen that before, They might might be looking for something new, and maybe it feels a little bit like that on our channel at the moment because we'd get i think we're getting about less than half of the new daily subscribers that we're used to, and not quite as many views every day, but it's just a, um the idea of just keep going. we've got products that we're making with sheet music, and you know we we're still gonna make progress with that anyway, so it's just a you know keep going even though it um it might be. Might be better or worse periods.
0: Yeah, it's just a new challenge. I guess it's like starting, you know, start not starting from scratch, but similar
1: in terms of not
0: knowing what people will like next. But you know, experimenting and and having other avenues to to focus on as well, whilst still keeping the main the main part of it going. For sure. And in terms of equipment, we were talking a little bit about it before we uh before we started. Mm -hmm. For those worrying that they need to spend thousands of dollars on on a fancy video and a fancy
1: studio. What's your
0: recommendation? Do, do they need to invest heavily in in
1: all this expensive equipment or are there other ways? Um, it depends on your situation. Like before I, I did say you can get started with just your phone. <laughs> That's enough. Um, depending on the type of content, of course, I couldn't make this kind of content with Sam with just a phone. We need pianos. <laughs> we need the piano, the, the editing programs, and so on. You can do a lot with a little. I still have an entry level piano, to be honest, like maybe people would expect I have um, a really fancy one. But no, I've still got the same one. It's a model. My dad gave me this is a, I think it was a birthday gift, maybe back in 2006. So it's quite an old one. And I already had the equipment on my computer. Uh, the yeah, I was already making my own piano videos anyway. And I was just using what I already had. So that might be another point, like, if you've already got the equipment, then you can use what you've already got. But we're not on camera. So people who want to have a really nice looking background might want to get a green screen. But there's always there's always budget alternatives for things. And if you can make it look good, then no one really knows how you're making it. They only see the end product. So there's definitely ways to do things on a budget and it looks almost the same as something that's like an expensive solution, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely, um, you know,
0: clever ways to to make a video look more professional than how it is recorded.
1: Yeah, you know? and um, it might be on a bit of a tangent, but because my mum was in small business, like she and dad, but she was the brains behind the operation. She'd told me you don't always have to spend money to make money. So that's something that I've kind of taken on board. It's not necessary to go out and do expensive marketing and so on. We we certainly haven't done that. It's been through the YouTube algorithm mostly and and then I guess word of mouth because YouTube analytics shows us who shared the video. Or not who shared it, but how many people shared it and where. And a lot of them are just people sending our videos to each other through direct messages and so on. So yeah, you don't have to spend money to make money necessarily. It can help. <laughs> yeah, there,
0: there are there are other ways to do it. Um, For Mm. sure. Andrew, a question I like to ask all guests on the podcast is, what's your definition of the grind?
1: I knew this was coming up because I listened (laughs) to a couple of episodes. Yeah, my definition of the grind would be persevering every day to make that new content, even though it might not be doing as well as it was before. uh, We've still got to keep that up, keep up the consistent effort. Uh, I definitely feel like every day, I've got to come in and make some new idea, some new sheet music videos and try and think of creative ways to do better in the business so that daily effort is definitely the grind for me although it has a the grind has um a bit of negative connotation to me like this is you know kind of drudging through a bit however i feel because of the nature of my work this is it's essentially my dream job to make this stuff so it's a it's a pleasure for me to do it even the the most boring parts even aren't that bad for me because I, um, yeah, running your own business—you you're completely responsible for your own success. I just love that. Uh, it depends on me and Sam. It, it's just like your fate is in your own hands. I love that. It's not like being an employee, like I have been for a long time. So yeah. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. I, I love hearing everyone's
0: uh, viewpoints on it, and um, there definitely comes a lot of freedom. With starting your own business and a lot of responsibility as well, um, yeah, a lot of risk. Yeah, definitely. And you know, like I said before, there's you know things that you can't even imagine can happen. I mean, in terms of the demonetization that happened with your yeah. your channel recently, you yeah, know, I think things can knock you left field. And as a business owner, you've got to be able to take those uh, to take those knocks,
1: yeah, and work around. I don't think it's for everyone. Like um, someone who absolutely needs everything to be going swimmingly all the time. They might not like the risk that comes with running your own business. But um, for me, the rewards really outweigh the risks. So I love doing this. Definitely. And you've, you've had experience working in a
0: sort of employee-based business. And so you, you've been Plenty, able, yeah. able to see you know, both sides.
1: Yeah. And um, I can say without a doubt, I much prefer doing this. You have so much more direction over the business rather than just being one cog in the machine, really. Yeah, yeah, you you own the whole machine as opposed to one little one little component. Mm. Although YouTube owns the way we do <laughs> <laughs> we do this, so we are beholden to them to an extent. But but we're not just dependent on YouTube. We have the sheet music publishing and some of our own original stuff that we've published. We've self published some things. So yeah, there's different avenues that we've gone through. So yeah, it's all good. Sure.
0: Um, and for those wanting to know where
1: to find Sheet Music Boss, what's the best way for them to to listen? On YouTube, you can search for Sheet Music Boss and uh, you'll find our channel very quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I encourage everyone listening to, to check it out. Some really fantastic themes of you know pop songs, video game songs, songs from the sixteen and 1700s and everything in between. So, it's...
1: Absolutely anything and everything is what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: guarantee to find at least one song on there that that you'll enjoy. Guarantee it. I reckon. Andrew, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Good to talk to you too. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.